What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a TGIF edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and we are less than 48 hours away from kicking off against the Chicago Bears. The Bears. I mean, we're legally obligated, as I said in my tweet earlier, to tell you every time when we're playing the Bears, we have to say the Bears from the Saturday Night Live skit. So there we go. We're playing Chicago Bears. Bears one and one. On the season kickoff at Soldier Field at 12 noon, straight up noon, and they're central time just like us. So there you go. Pre-game show starts at 9 with Sean and Seth. Then Mark, Andre, and myself will take you through the game broadcast and then turn it over to Sean and Clint Sterner for the post-game. So keep it locked right here on Sports Radio 610 for all of that action. Now, on the show this evening, we've got a lot to do. We're going to hear from a few luminaries. Early on in the show, then we're going to have my keys to the game. We will then hear from Corey Wooten, former Chicago Bear, who played for Lovey Smith, went to Northwestern. He will be our Behind Enemy Sidelines interview this week with DP Sidhu. We'll have my predictions for all the games straight up against the spread because it's fun, not for any other reason. And then we'll hear from Drew Doherty with the final word. His final word is with Jalen Petrie. That's going to be fun. We're also going to have a Jalen Petrie, Drew Dozen, here in a bit. But we kick off every Friday show with a visit with the head coach of your Houston Texans, and that would be Lovey Smith. Mark Vandermeer had a chance to sit down with him and talk about his return, only the second return to Chicago since he left in 2012 in an opposing jersey. Mark and Lovey right now. Coach, this week of practice, how did it go for you? How much of it is correcting what didn't go well against Denver and installing the game plan? What can you share with us about that? Well, there's a plan. The first part of any new week is about corrections, cleaning up the mistakes and just things that we need to uh, uh, to make right from the last game. So that's what we did the early part. And then it's about moving forward and putting in the game plan. You know, it's about your next opponent. That's what we do. So our players, uh, they, Monday's their off day. Tuesday, we initially watch the previous uh, game's film, and then we put the game plan in. And Wednesday morning, once we get Mark to the field, now it's about that Chicago game plan. And what about attacking that defense, Coach, trying to run the ball even better? You ran it better last week, and obviously I know you're looking for better completion percentage as well. Yes, and uh, there's, there are numbers that we want to get to. But to me, as, as I see it, it's about improvement. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the running game, there was definite improvement. Uh, we get, and for us, we got Damon involved more. I like the way Troy Harrison block. I mean, there are some good things. And, and we're going to call on the guys this week, too. And for us to be talking about the back guys, I mean, the skill guys, it starts up front. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask the offensive line to do a lot. There's an athletic uh, – Defensive line, deep front seven, it plays hard up there. But they're not going to surprise us with a lot. We, we're very similar defensively. So our guy's going to know where they are, but we got to be able to block them, and that makes everything else right. You're coming from one of the toughest road environments in the league to another really tough road environment that you know all about, obviously, at Soldier Field. How much does it help that you have one road game under your belt in the communication part of it all? Uh, it helps an awful lot. First times are hard no matter what when you don't really know. Mm-hmm. That's beside. That's behind us, as you said. That was a tough environment. Uh, this is one of those traditional stadiums, traditional fan base uh, bases that really know football, and um, so that'll be a great experience. 
as I told the players, the time to experience it is in September, you know, and not December. So we're excited about going up there. Uh, dealing with their offense, Coach, everyone talks about lack of passing attempts, but they're running the football pretty well, and the quarterback can also run it, so you have a lot of things to watch out for on that side of the ball. Yes, each week uh, it's about stopping run first and making a team one-dimensional, but they have a commitment to the run, and it's just not your traditional running attack. It's, uh, of course, two tailbacks that they play, but what the quarterback can, can give also to the running game uh, causes a lot of lot of problems for us. We'll have to be disciplined and keep him contained as much as we can. Last week, a lot of touchbacks, and Fairbairn said after the game that it was tough to place the ball inside the 10-yard line on the kickoffs. What goes into that decision, uh, whether you do it or not? Is it a flow of the game thing, before the game thing, you and Frank Ross talking about it during the game? Well, it starts before the game first. And our kickers get out there, and we get our game playing together on how we're going to handle it, not just – for the entire game, but uh, based on what direction we'll be kicking. So we get that before the game, and then we're constantly communicating, of course, throughout the game too. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck against the Bears. Thanks a lot. Now, if that man is the coolest man in the building, then it's definitely Drew Doherty is second. And third is Jalen Petrie. Really fun story. Got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, DJ Biennemi from ESPN did a great story about Jalen living at home with his parents. I told DJ that, man. It was a great story. It's one of those where you read it and you're like, dang it, man. I wish I would have done that story. Really good job by him. But Jalen Petrie sat down and did a little Drew's Dozen with Drew Doherty. Drew, take it away. Drew's Dozen is now. We've got Jalen Petrie, defensive back for the Houston Texans. Rookie, good to see you, man. You want to play a little Jenga? Definitely, man. I'm ready to play. All right. We're not just playing Jenga, though. It's Jenga with a twist because every block you pull, you get a question asked of you. And every block I pull, I ask a question of him because it's not him, not me. Who has the best hair on the team? Um, best hair on the team, I'd probably say Roy Lopez. Really? Yeah, he got good hair. I would put him. Yours is pretty and, nice, man. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not trying to brag on myself. I got to give some you know, light to my teammates. You're staying humble. I pre- Yeah, I, I'm I trying to. Yes, sir. That. All right. Perfect plate at a barbecue restaurant. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Are you a barbecue guy? Yeah, I love barbecue. What's on that perfect plate? I'm going to go. I got to have some brisket on the plate. Mm-hmm. Brisket, some ribs for mm-hmm. sure. If they got macaroni and cheese, I'm going to go with that and got to have some type of beans. You always got to, you know, have some beans on a barbecue plate. Any dessert? Ah, we, we did a lot with that plate, so I'm going to skip dessert. I'm gonna <laughs> you skip don't need dessert. the sweets, right? You're just yeah, no with the sweets. Savory? I'm going to just stay with the, with the meal. I respect that. I respect that. Okay, how about another middle piece? That sound good? What games did you play growing up? Um, I love Connect Four. Yeah, so Connect Four is probably my favorite. And a lot of video games with my brother, Madden, 2K. So how old, yeah. older or younger is your brother? My brother's a year and a half older than me. So there, you were fighting and talking? All the time. Them. Okay, yeah. All the time. That's where all the scars come from. You know, he made me real tough. <laughs> Go-to karaoke song. What are you singing? Go-to karaoke song. I'm going to go with Dreams and Nightmares. How's that go? I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. No, but how, how's it, how do you like, like, how's it go? I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like that, so I had to, you know what I'm saying? I had to do that song for uh, for one of my rookie uh, little ordeals, so I know that song real well. That was good. See, yeah. I got you. I yeah, to yeah, I had to go in that mode real quick. <laughs> you can choose between brunch with Jay-Z or $500,000. What's your choice? That's a good one, but I'm going to go with brunch with Jay-Z. He's my favorite rapper, and I just feel like he got so much game to give to people. I understand that uh, that is a lot of money, but uh, I'm going to you know, go in there 
with my notebook ready to take some notes. So Priceless I'm, wisdom, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to take uh, Brunch with Jay-Z for sure. What is your guilty pleasure song? That's a good one. That's a real good one. Y'all put me on the spot with that one. I wouldn't say I have a song, but Beyonce is a great artist. Yep. You know, so I would say um, a lot of her songs. I really don't know them, but yeah. if they come on, on, on the radio or something. Get you going. Exactly. So I'm going to give a shout out to Beyonce with that one. First memory as a kid, what was it? What's your first memory? First memory as a kid, probably winning a Super Bowl my freshman year in Little League. Yeah. Yeah, I was the only one to um, score a touchdown, so that's a big, big moment How in my childhood. How did the touchdown go? Tell us about the touchdown. What happened? Yeah, I played fullback, so it was a straight fullback dive. It was a rainy, you know, rough game, and I took it like 30 yards, and you know, and game ended up being six to zero. So I ended up winning MVP for that too. So MVP at a Super Bowl at fullback, and now you're safe. So Troy Hairston would be very proud of what you did. Oh, a hundred percent. That's you awesome. Know. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Okay, who's your favorite teammate to sit next to on the plane or the bus? I would probably have to say Tavier. How come? TT, he's just funny all the time. He always joking, always got a smile on his face. Like, he got good energy. Plane rides are usually a little bit harder for me because I'm a little claustrophobic, but I feel like he'll be... He gets your mind off yeah, of it. Yeah, he'll Thomas. take your mind off yeah. of it. You're going to be laughing with him. It'll be a good time. He's seen some things, too. Like, he's got, he's got some good wisdom, like, out in the world, don't you think? For sure. He's a smart guy, and... Yeah, cool to be around. That's a good one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I would say the best advice is don't quit. You know, early on, my dad told me and my brother uh, never to quit in whatever you're doing. Like I said, we played a lot of video games, so mm -hmm. he would be there sometimes. Some of them games got a little ugly, and uh, we wanted to hit the pride button, but our dad, you know, instilled that in us early. Don't quit. You're going to finish whatever you start. And I think that has allowed me to get to the point where I'm at today. That's great advice coming from dear old dad, man. You can't top that. For sure. Good stuff. Oh! That's, mm. That's it. Jingle with Jalen. It was a success. We learned a lot about you. I appreciate it. Thank you. you for the time. This has been a Drew's Cousin. Man, those dudes are playing Jenga? Oh, man, that sounds like fun. I guess my invite is coming next time, right? Well, I hope so. All right, either way, Mark, nice job with Lovey and Drew, a great job with Jalen Petrie. Mark stays with me because, Mark, I'm about to blow your mind. All right, let's have it. Hands. I'm doing like the hands. Jazz hands. Blow, Not blow quite. Your, like blow your mind. Yeah, explosive hands. Okay. Our starting offensive line last week, mm -hmm. remember what it was? Uh -huh. Laramie left. Kenny Green got his first start. Yep. Quesenberry. Scott Quesenberry at center. Yep. And it was AJ Can, Titus Howard. Right. Okay. Now, presumably, unless something happens in the next 36 to 48 hours, that will be the starting offensive Ooh, line. I know where you're going with this. Back to back for the first time since when? Since when? Oh, because last year it was 10 different combinations, I think. Yeah, it's not. I, I counted nine, but I, my, my math might be off on that. It's okay. nine and 10. All right. And Titus moved around a little bit, so there was he that did. too. It's kind of so. What I did, count? I went through every, I went through every second game last year, Ooh. and I just wrote out the the lineup, and then I circled what was different. I have a circle for every single week last year, except one. Now, in back to back games, it goes all the way back to November twenty first, the game after the bye against the Titans. That's okay. the last time. That in back-to-back -back games, the same offensive line for the Texans played. And that was John Christian, Titus Howard, Jimmy Morrissey, Justin McCray, and Charlie Heck left to right. Then they went to the bye. We came out of the bye, went to Tennessee. That was at Miami. 
That was right. Jimmy's first start. Went to Miami, or I'm sorry, went to Tennessee, got the win in the rain, started that same offensive line. And we won that day. Ooh. Okay. In back-to-back weeks, because you got a bye week in between, in back-to-back weeks, the last time that the same line started week after week, you have to go all the way back to week four in Buffalo. The line pl- started the first four games with Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, Justin Britt, Max Sharping, and Marcus Cannon left to right. So Cannon actually started that many games? Started four. Those, that offensive line started the first four games together. Mm. And, and then they, Marcus and got hurt. Then Laramie got hurt. Then Justin was in and out. Then Titus was moving around. Uh, then Lane Taylor was coming in. Then Justin McCray was in. Then Sharping was out. All the way down. We have not had, in back-to-back weeks, we have not had the same offensive line in nearly a calendar year. Well, this could help. Mic drop. And the, not that they lit the world on fire in the first four games last year, but they beat Jacksonville. They were right there with Cleveland right. on the road week two with Mills playing half the game, his first ever NFL action. Week three, they were hanging in there with Carolina before it slipped away. Week right. four was the Patriots? Was week four the Patriots? Bills. Oh, never mind then. Because then That against, game was just a... I mean, that was a deluge, but I was hoping the that Patriots were in that beginning. group because the Patriots game was actually a pretty solid right. game. They just couldn't win it. Right. But they played much better yeah. than a lot of the other games in the early going last year. It's funny you point out the line in the aftermath of the Titans game mm-hmm. because that line with Jaron Christian and you look at Charlie Heck playing yep. tackle and, you know, whatever else they did. Was Titus at left tackle? Titus was at left guard for that one. Left he moved guard. moved to left tackle the next week, okay. week 12. But down the line, that line actually beat the Jags. Yeah. They beat the Chargers, yep. a playoff caliber team. Mm-hmm. Offensive line play is weird. That's why when people ask me to evaluate offensive linemen, I'm a play-by-play guy. What do I know? <laughs> Are they pushing the other guys out of the way effectively enough? Are yeah. they keeping your quarterback from being in the hospital? Those are the ways I evaluate the offensive line. There's, I, I obviously evaluate it differently, but that's okay. The the thing that I br- <laughs> I've, I've brought up with with this, and I, I haven't obviously done this study for for every single team. I I wouldn't really want to. But there was one thing that stood out when the when the Buccaneers went to the playoffs last year. And I know it's the Bucs. I know it's a different level team. Like, I get it. But they showed a stat of the five offensive linemen and the percentage of plays they played in 2021. All five, from Donovan Smith to Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen uh, to Kappa, Alex Kappa, and also uh, Tristan Wirfs. There wasn't one of them that played less than 90% of the plays. That's incredible. Well, when that happens, Johnny, and they're pretty good, you're going to get results out of that. Absolutely. Continuity is king, right? right? Look at the Texans' best seasons. Look, 07, 08, 09, they were developing the line, mm-hmm. but by 09, they start to get it. And even in 07, I was talking to a member of the football ops st- staff about the 07 season, and I brought that up all offseason long because they went from 28th to 14th. What did they do? They started to get some continuity on the right. line. Not exactly. as much as they wanted, but some. And that system was starting to work, but it took a while. Mm-hmm. It's not like they came out of the gate smoke, and actually they did. They were 2-0, and but then they stumbled for a while, and they got, to get it, they got it going again. Right. And I think that this team, they need some time to mature, and this could really help. Having back-to-back weeks with the same five up front, 
the five fingers of a fist or whatever analogy you want to use, metaphor you want to use to try to, you know, pump them up here. But that could really help the ground game and pass protection. I think there's so many facets that go with a consistent starting offensive line. And I think the offensive line with a consistent starting quarterback, I think those two things sort of come together. Knowing that Davis takes his drop to a certain spot, that helps the tackles. Watching Joe Burrow the last, uh, the last couple of weeks, Joe drops really, really deep. Like he drops like eight, nine yards almost. I mean, it's almost like he's sprinting back with his seven-step drop. Well, Lyle Collins is new to the Bengals, so he's not quite accustomed to that. So when you – and they've been giving up some, some sacks as a result, and Joe's holding the ball a little bit too long, et cetera. Yeah. But if you know where Davis is going to be and you can plan for that, now you're just going against that rush. You're knowing, okay, this guy likes to go here. Well, I know where Davis is going to be, so I know I can set myself up. I know what kind of – um, I know what kind of approach I need to take with him. I know what kind of technique I need to use because I know where he's going to be. And the same for the interior guys as well. And then the part of everybody working together, knowing what type of protection you have, guys working together, making your calls next to one another. And you get to a point when you've done it for a few years, like the Buccaneers do. I guarantee you the Buccaneers have some things up front that they do that they when when they had their group last year, because Marpet retired, Capo went on, Jensen's been hurt. But when they had that group together, I guarantee you they were doing some unspoken things that they just knew to do because they've been together for a while. How much do you think Brady has to do with that? I mean, Brady, look, now that Brady's in Tampa Bay, we could talk about him differently. Yeah. But he fascinates me that way because yeah. I can't imagine a position he couldn't coach. And he might not want to do it on a full-time basis. It's right. very time-consuming and work-life balance and all that. But Tom Brady could tell you some things about offensive line play that I bet a lot of offensive line coaches would be impressed with. Yeah. And receiver play, tight ends, running backs. He could coach any position on offense, I've, maybe defense too. I think you're right. I think the technique to use, I don't think Tom would be able to sit there and say, hey, hey, Ali Marpe, you should use a jump set as opposed to this technique. Oh, I, see. Yeah. I don't think he'd be able to do that. But I think Tom would be able to look at defenses and go, this is where the soft spot is. This is the prote- yeah. hey, this is the protection we have. They're going to attack you this way. Right. That's where he would do it. I don't mm-hmm. know if he would be able to say, hey, use this technique. Yeah. That, and Keep that's a wider stance. Your left foot has to point. Oh, yeah, he that's might not a, know that. That's a part where the offensive line has to, you know, offensive line coaches, you know, step in. Because when you get to the NFL, it's all about, it's all about the inches. I mean, you know, Al Pacino said it in any given Sunday. It's all about the inches, and it really the is. inches are everywhere. Right in front of your face. But I, I've been thinking about that for a while. And when we came out of the Denver game relatively unscathed health-wise, and thinking about this week and knowing that we came out of that relatively unscathed health-wise, I'm thinking, hmm, we got the same offensive line. This is the first time for a while. I didn't realize it would go all the way back to week 11 and then even before that, it would go back to back-to-back weeks, all the way back to week four. It's almost been a year, mm. a calendar year, since we've had the same offensive line together. I, I'm And against the Bears defense that's given up a lot of yards on the ground, a lot of yards. And it's not – Yes, they have. It's a lot of yards, and it's a lot of space. Man, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, it wasn't as if they were just fighting through tackles at the line of scrimmage and the Bears just missed them. There, there were holes. There were just space. But you tell me. All right, so – the Packers had a lot of yards. The Niners had a lot of yards on the ground yep. in the deluge game. Yep. But the Bears can run it too. Yep. Both teams are feeling we should be able to run the ball this week. And what concerns me about the Bears 
it's not, and we brought this up in the Lovey interview, right. it's not just, okay, Fields doesn't throw it much, so we're fine right. through the air. Uh, he's so quick, Johnny. I'm watching, I don't watch film like you do, but I've seen some all 22 snaps. He gets to the outside so fast on boots or whatever they're calling, mm-hmm. like when they want to like sprint him out. Yep. He's able to make, and he then he cuts the field in half yep. with his vision. He can make a throw or decide to run it for 25 yards. He's going to be tough to stop. They better be ready. And he's tough to tackle. That's another part of it, too. Some quarterbacks are going to slide and get down, and he might once he gets a first down, that kind of thing. But he is big. I mean, he's bigger than people think. I mean, he's 6'3", 225, and when he runs, he's runs he runs in the 4'4", four, 4'5 four, four, range. What did Nick say about him? How did Nick describe him on our show on Wednesday? He yeah. said he's a running back. Yeah, you have to treat him like a running back. He's that, a running back. That's one of the things I think is one of the hidden aspects of pre- uh, preparing for a team because you look at a roster and you see the two initials, T-E-R-B-Q-B, and you get in your mind, for for a lot of people, you get in your mind, well, he's a tight end, so you cover him with this guy, oh, or he's a running do, back. Yeah. So you do that. It's, it's like that with Travis Kelsey. You can't treat Kelsey like a tight end. Um, Tyreek Hill, you can't really treat him like a wide receiver mm-hmm. because of all the different things and all the different places he can line up uh, and take the football. And the same with Justin Fields. Yes, he is a quarterback, and he is going to throw, but you have to treat him like a running back. Right. You and have Nick, to account for him on every play. And Nick was not insulting him. No, I mean, he not said at he's all. He's a running back who throws the ball. Right. <laughs> he's a quarterback, right. but he's got running back skills as a quarterback. And not every running quarterback has running back skills. Right. Has the ability to make you miss, has the lower center of gravity available to him to use that way. So I, I think he's a, he's a tough out, Johnny. Both teams feel like they can win this game. You and I talked about it last night. You know, it could be a low-scoring game, but maybe somebody erupts, and and each team feels like this should be our get-well game. So in that, there's a lot of drama. There's going to be a lot of hotly contested downs, and it's going to be fun to watch. Look, both teams need it badly. You know, who wants to be – they don't want to be one and two, and you don't want to be – what is it? One, uh, one, one, oh, oh, two, two one. And one. Oh. I don't want to say that. I want to say one, one, and one because that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Like we've never that's been able symmetry. to do that. At this point, like that's the best you can do. So let's do it. Yeah. that You're exactly right about that. All right. When we get back, I will go further into my keys to a win over the Chicago Bears. How does it get done? Yes, Justin Fields will get mentioned, but can they tackle the pocket rocket that is David Montgomery? That's next on Texans All Access. Hey, Texans fans, can you hear it? Can you feel it right now? It's all around you. It's the air we share. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Where we work, where we play, where we grow. It's all part of Daikin's mission to perfect the air we share, and you can learn all about it by visiting Daikin Loves Houston. Dot com. That's D-A-I-K-I-N, DykinLovesHouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Dykin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Learn more at Dykin, D-A-I-K-I-N, LovesHouston.com. Welcome back to this episode of Texans All Access, and it's time for my keys to a game. Been doing this for a long time, one of my favorite segments to do, because I just get to open up the throttle Get out in left lane and go 105, baby. Well, yeah, I guess if you can. 
talking about football. I do because I get hyped. I get re- I get into this, and I don't apologize for that. I love talking ball. I love talking to Texans, and I love it when they take on the Chicago Bears. So get my music cranked up. There it is. Let's rock. Keys to a win over the Chicago Bears. Well, let's start with learning a little bit more about this Bears offense. They are averaging 139.5 yards per game on the ground. That's eighth in the NFL. Man, that's stout. They ran very well last week against the Green Bay Packers. You had running back David Montgomery run for over 100 yards. Big game. And Khalil Herbert, we'll get to him a little bit as well. But they have been ground and pound. Why ground and pound? Because there's no air. There is no dyke in helping them out. Passing yards per game. 76.5. Now, it's two games. Justin Fields has thrown it 28 times. Now, one of the uh, novelties, one of the interesting things about this game, I guess, because you don't see this often, it's two head coaches that come from defensive backgrounds. Obviously, Lovey Smith was a defensive coordinator for a long time for the Rams. Uh, Then he was the head coach for the Bears. He comes from a defensive background, right? Then you got Matt Eberflus, who was previously the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. And I think you see a little bit more of that influence on the offense there. Because the Bears have thrown it 28 times this year. Justin Fields has thrown about 28 times. 28! No team in the NFL has fewer than 28 completions. They've thrown it 28 times. Hence, 76.5 yards per game. That is last in the league. Total offense are 216 per game that's also last in the league and they lost two interceptions and again going back to the thought about having a defensive minded head coach two interceptions I mean you might as well be calling Matt Eberflus the worst names possible (laughs) at that point throwing two interceptions those are just things that he does not want to live with defense coaches just don't like that mentality at all so how many times is Justin going to throw up we'll get to him uh, in just a second it's a team Led, for the most part, by guys that have been there. So offensive line, four to five guys were players that had been in the scheme last year, although it's changed uh, with the Bears with the new head coach, Matt Eberflus. Justin Fields started last year, was kind of up and down. Uh, he and Matt Nagy, I don't think always saw eye to eye. But the star there, and the two stars, if, the, if you will, are David Montgomery running back and Darnell Mooney, a wide receiver. So let's get to our first key against the Bears offense. Do not slide into these DMs. You heard that phrase. Sliding into DMs, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking about direct messages, though. I'm talking about David Montgomery, DM, David Montgomery. Get it? Yeah. How do you like that? Anyways, point being with David Montgomery, 5'11", 5'10", 224. I think the program says 5'11". I think he's really like 5'10", 5'9". Either way, he's built like a bowling ball of butcher knives. I mean, he's built just like this thick tank. And when he gets downhill on you, oh, boy. I mean, you you got to come. You can't throw shoulders into this guy and think he's going down. You can't have two or three guys wrapped up and you can fly in as a safety and throw your shoulder in and think he's going backwards. You got to finish him. That's the same Mortal Kombat. Finish him. You got to finish the tackle. You've got to bring him to the ground. Grab a shoelace. Grab a shoe. Grab an elbow pad. Grab a hand. Hang off for dear life to his jersey. Whatever you got to do, but bring that dude down. Here's where he is really tough. And I did a telestrator on this, and you'll see it on KPRC on game day on Sunday morning. He had a run against the Packers. No, he had a number of them, but this one stood out to me. 
because the Bears came out a two by two condensed set. So they had two, so they had a, a tight end and a receiver, tight end receiver, and they're kind of kind of bunched in. They weren't wide like you see some. They're kind of bunched in, and they were going to run split zones. So they're going to run zone one way, and then take the tight end across and kick out. And then Montgomery has the opportunity to stay with the zone blocking, or if they sort of get beat, he's got the opportunity to cut it back and then use that tight end on the split block to, to make his run there. Well, that's what he did. He cut it back, and as he cut it back, the defensive end was so far upfield taking care of Justin Fields. We'll get to him in a second. There was this big gap, and the linebacker, Quay Walker, the rookie for the Packers, is right there, but he waited on him. He didn't attack him, and because he didn't attack him, the receiver was able to come down and crack on him. Montgomery jump cut to the outside, and now he's in the secondary. And now you've got guys that, in the Texas secondary, they've got guys that can tackle. they got a lot of guys that can tackle. But when you have to tackle 224 pounds with that kind of speed and that balance and that vision, that gets tough. That gets really, really tough. So they've got to really slow down Montgomery before he even gets to the second and third level. Number two, normally he's number one. And that's a little tricky because number one is Justin Fields, but he is not the number one priority. Slowing David Montgomery is. However, Justin Fields, the thrower, has struggled. And you can't just all of a sudden let him find his groove. But I don't think Eberflus and the offensive staff are really going to let him open up. I just don't think so. But what I do think they'll do is have him run the football. And he is very difficult, like Montgomery, to bring down. These two guys demand big boy pads and big boy effort to bring them down. But the biggest thing with Fields is not allowing him to be unaccounted for. If, and on that play, the Packers had, the Packers took Preston Smith, and as soon as Fields took the snap, Preston was matching wherever Justin Fields went. And even though the run ended up being a big one, you have to do that. You have to account for him. Because if he boots away on a naked or waggle or something, and you're just crashing down on the run, well, then Justin Fields, one of the better runners in the league, actually, is out and about with the football, and, I mean, it's trouble. That's where I think Justin Fields can really hurt the Texans this week, and I do get a little worried about that part. Mooney can be a deep threat if you leave him wide open, but I don't think Justice is going to take shots just to take shots because Darnell Mooney's out there. But Justin running the football, play-action fakes, those kind of things, they've got to account for fields or he's going to take off and run, and that's a problem. Last one. Bears offensive line created holes against the Packers. It's a good offensive line. It's a growing offensive line. It's not the Colts. It's not the Broncos. This offensive line, they've been trying to get together for a while. Against the pass, and that's part of the reason why. They aren't going to pass protect well. But they got a rookie left tackle in Braxton Jones. They've got guys across that are just guys. Tevin Jenkins hasn't really turned into anything yet, but he's at guard. I think it's a better fit. This offensive line is not the, this is not the Broncos. This is not the Colts offensive line. Now, with Malik Collins banged up, that does give me a little bit of pause, and we'll see. He's questionable for this one. But this offensive line is not the Broncos, and it's not the Colts. So this defensive line for the Texans has really got to take over. All right, flip it over and talk about the Texans' offense against the Bears' defense. They're giving up 189.5 yards per game on the ground. That is last 
in the NFL. I've heard that a lot as it pertains to the Bears' passing game and the Bears' run defense. Passing yards allowed, they've allowed 183 yards per game. That's seventh in the league. So they're pretty good against the pass. Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon have been great insertions into that secondary alongside Eddie Jackson, alongside Jalen Johnson, who we'll talk about. They've also generated three turnovers. They're plus one at two over mar- turnover margin in 2022. They've got two of the best players, I think, in the NFL at their respective positions. Robert Quinn had 18 and a half sacks last year. And you have Roquan Smith, the linebacker. Now, Roquan has not practiced at all this week. Jalen Johnson moved into the did-not-participate-in-practice category. He went from not even on injury report to limited yesterday to all of a sudden do not, did not participate on Friday. Roquan did not participate all week dealing with a hip issue. So we'll keep an eye on Roquan Smith, and we'll talk about these guys. But Roquan, questionable. Jalen Johnson, questionable. Those are two huge pieces on their defensive line. Angelo Blackson has played some good ball for them, but it's not a defensive front that has stopped the run at all against the Packers, did not stop it against the 49ers. So keys against this defense. Number one, find Roquan, dot, 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 if he's playing. Again, listed as questionable, did not participate during practice all week. So if he plays, he becomes the focal point. 5'8 is the focal point of defense. He gets everybody lined up. He gets them where they need to be. Eberflus relies on him as much as he relies on Shaquille Leonard when he was the Colts defense coordinator. Without him, now it becomes interesting because Nick Morrow, the fellow starting linebacker to Roquan, probably not that guy if you get, if you get what I'm saying, but he's going to have to be that guy. And if there's no Roquan, I'd like to see Damian about 22 times. I'd like to see Rex, Dare, about another 10 times combined. Davis Mills run it eight. To, no, I'm just kidding about Davis. But I want to see them pound it 30 to 32 times if Roquan's not in the game. He's the key to that entire defense. And even with him, they were averaging less. They're averaging uh, just about 190 yards given up per game. So, Roquan, if he plays. Which leads me to number two key. J.J. is dynamite. Y'all remember Good Times? Well, if you're of my age demographic, Good Times was the best show. Of course, Jimmy Walker. You always talk about J.J. is dynamite. Well, J.J. is Jalen Johnson. And again, I go back to he's questionable. Now, if you look at the injury report flow, Wednesday, he's not even on there. Thursday, he shows up limited. Friday, he's a DMP. Now, if you do the math on that sort of slope, that's negative slope trending down, but they've listed him as questionable. My thought with, if, with him, if he plays, was how do they handle him? Does he travel with Brandon Cooks? Does he travel with Nico? Does he travel at all? Either way, if 33 is in the defensive secondary, he's a problem. He's a massive problem. And he's a guy that you don't really want to test especially when you got rookies in Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon back there. uh, Kendall Vildor is another guy that's been back there. I'd test him too. I wouldn't want to go after Jalen Johnson. However, if Johnson is unavailable to play, that becomes a massive, massive aspect of this game. So does Jalen Johnson and or Roquan Smith play? I'll lean towards, I'm going to expect them to play. I'll lean that way. So at that point, when he's on the field, find out how 
They're matching up. And then if you have to, work away from him. Work away from 33. Now, if he does play, I might test him early on. I might test the injury, see how he's going to handle it if he does play. But my guess is when that dude's playing, he's balling out, and I'm going I'm to avoid him at fall possible. Last one, and I mentioned this guy a little bit earlier, is Robert Quinn. He did not lead the league in sacks last year, but he led the NFC. T.J. Watt had 22.5 set the record, 18.5 for Robert Quinn. Coming off the edge, that guy's been doing it from 2011. He is one of the best athletes still in the league at 32 years old. He can take over the game. Now, the Texans' edge protectors have been pretty good thus far handling edge rushers to a point. The one thing that gave them trouble, especially in the fourth quarter of games, was speed and athleticism off the edge. Quiddy Pay in week one got a sack late, and then also Randy Gregory got a sack late, literally just running around the edge. Robert Quinn isn't going to shy away from a fight at all. Not in the slightest. But if he sees an edge he can just run around, he's going to go smooth or dip rip and come around that edge and go get Davis Mills. So there needs to be a plan, especially in the fourth quarter, for how you're going to account for one of the better pass rushers in the league, arguably the best over in the NFC. All right, those are your keys to hopefully a win over the Chicago Bears with a couple of caveats as it pertains to the availability and health of two keys, Jalen Johnson, the corner, and Roquan Smith, the linebacker for the Bears. All right, we get back. We'll go around the NFL. One big injury to keep an eye on, and it affects the AFC South. We'll talk about that next right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and a connoisseur of Whataburger. And as we go around the NFL, I want to remind you that the Houston Texans Whataburger and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston Area Hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So, from now until October 10th, give a buck and be a part of a team that is wiping out hunger in Houston. And that's Whataburger. All right, let's start out in L.A. Where the big news out in L.A. has to do with the Chargers, not the Rams. Well, we'll get to the Rams, probably would assume, at some point. But the bigger news is the availability of Justin Herbert. He is listed as questionable, and this matters because the Chargers are getting a visit from the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, the only team in the AFC South with a win. How about that? The only team in the AFC South with a win through two weeks of the season, and in first place, the AFC South through two weeks of the season, may face Chase Daniel. Instead of Justin Herbert. Herbert dealing with the ribs, with a rib issue that he hurt against Kansas City on a Thursday night. Now, had he played on Sunday, I don't think there's any way. But those extra days may have helped Justin Herbert to play Sunday against the Jags. If he doesn't play, the team next up on a docket for the Chargers, your Houston Texans. So we'll keep an eye on Justin Herbert for Sunday's availability against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We hope he plays to beat the Jaguars. 
I want him to play against us. I never want to see anybody hurt. But Justin Herbert, one to definitely watch this weekend, especially if you're a fantasy football player. That's a dicey proposition. George Kittle, one of the better tight ends in the league, is back. Week three, his debut against the Denver Broncos. 49ers played the Bears, and we played the Broncos, and now the 49ers play the Broncos, and we play the Bears. That's kind of interesting. Nice little nice little uh, symmetry there. But George Kittle going to get on the field. In the AFC South, Shaquille Leonard out against the Chiefs as the Colts make their Indianapolis debut. Michael Pittman is back, as is Alec Pierce. So you'll have Matt Ryan with his full receiver compliment, and they'll need it against the Chiefs, but they will not have the maniacs, Q Leonard, out for the third straight week. Last night, we saw the Browns get a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, but a big loss for the Cleveland Browns. Starting linebacker Anthony Walker Jr. out for the season with a torn quad, kind of got stuck in the turf on a screen and then one of the Steelers linemen, and I can't remember, 76 or 78. I think it was Chukafor. Just body slammed him while he was down on the ground. Well, that wasn't cool. Um, and I don't think he ended up getting a penalty for that. But he suffered a season-ending torn quad tendon. Now, Walker's not a guy that a lot of people know around the league. But within league circles, people know Anthony Walker's a darn good football player. That's going to be a big loss for the Browns. They're already without Jadeveon Clowney last week. We'll see if Clowney can come back. But no Anthony Walker for the rest of the season for the Browns. All right, that's going to do it for our Around the NFL segment. When we get back, let's talk a little bit more about this game in particular, Bears-Texans. Corey Wooten played defensive end at Northwestern. He played for Lovey Smith. He played for the Bears. He knows the Bears inside and out, and he is our guest on any sidelines this week with DP Studio, and that's next on Texans All Access. We got one hour in the books on this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. We are less than 48 hours away from Texans v. Bears. And I, your host, John Harris, will be down on the sidelines as I have been the last eight years. It's now my ninth year. But my first time being on the sidelines in Chicago because of 2020, I was actually up in the stands. I was one of not many in the stands in Chicago. There are no fans. So I'm curious to see what a Bears Sunday afternoon is like, especially when they lose to the Texans, or at least that's what I'm hoping. Now, a guy that played for the Bears, played for Lovey Smith, knows the Bears inside and out, is former Northwestern star defensive end Corey Wooten. And so when it came time to go behind enemy sidelines, D.B. Sidhu said, I want him. That guy, he played for Lovey. He knows the Bears. I want Corey Wooten. She went and found him, and here he is. Corey Wooten with DP Sitters. We go behind enemy sidelines. We're going behind enemy sidelines, and this week joining me is six-year NFL veteran Corey Wooten, Big Ten sports analyst, Fox 32 Chicago analyst. He is the host of Believe in Bears, the podcast. Corey, welcome in. Yeah, thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's a big week for both these teams. The Texans looking for their first win. And Lovey Smith, in his first year as head coach of the Houston Texans, returns to Soldier Field. You played for Lovey back in the day from 2010 to 2012, 12 was my correct? Last year. It was last year for the Bears, yep. 
All right. So what do you remember most about playing for Lovey Smith? Man, it was awesome playing for him, especially uh, in, in the defense we had in Chicago. Uh, we were, you know, top 10 pretty much every year I was there. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We had some some great guys on the team. Erlacher, Lance Briggs, Julius Peppers, you know, Henry Melton, Charles Peanut Tillman. The list goes on and on. So it was it was a lot of fun playing in that Tampa 2 attacking style defense, especially as a defensive lineman. But what, what I what I love the most about Lovey is he's a player's coach. You know, that, that year he got fired when we went 10 and 6. There was grown men in, in that uh, end of the year meeting crying. So that wow. just shows you the impact that he had in our in our locker room. So, you know, everybody kind of bought into him and loved him, not only as a person, but as a coach as well. I mean, he's sort of downplayed this return to Chicago. He's he's returned since since he left Chicago when he was head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. But for Chicago and for people around there, how is Levy's return being perceived there? You know, I, th- I think a lot of people are, are are open to it. You know, I think um, some some of the best years with the Bears was when Lovey was the head coach, right? You look at the 05 season when they when they made it to the Super Bowl. Then in 2010, when we got to the NFC Championship and then having some of the best defenses kind of in his tenure there. So I think people really wish that Lovey would have stayed, to be honest, because we had that defense figured out. It was just all about kind of getting that offensive coordinator. And sometimes, you know, the GM or the owner really has more say in that. Lovey was kind of like, hey, I'm going to get this defense right. But it's kind of hard when you're a top five defense to fire a coach that goes 10 and six. So everyone was kind of scratching their head about that one. Okay, I'm going to ask you about the Bears, but I got one more question about Lovey. Have you watched much of the Texans defense? Yeah, so I've been I've been watching them. Uh, so they've kind of struggled a little bit of stopping the run. But but the, the thing that's evident, right, in Lovey's defense, it's kind of like that bend but don't break philosophy. You know, you're looking at these first two games. He doesn't like they, it. He doesn't like it when people say that. But that's interesting that you say that. All right, continue. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is because sometimes when when you're struggling out there, defensively it's all about limiting the, the the scoring drives right touchdowns and he's been able to do that so far I mean you guys gave Russell Wilson some fits you know they're still trying to learn this defense I think when they fully buy into it I mean it's one of those defense when you get the the front seven in order it makes everything that much easier so let's talk about the Bears they've got a new head coach and Matt Eberflus what have been the biggest differences you think in that Bears team since he's taken over you know, I, I think that the, the biggest thing is everyone has been buying into him as a coach. You know, with Matt Nagy last year, he, he really lost the locker room. You, you can see that evident through guys play. The biggest surprise to me is the lack of, of being able to stop the run defensively, because that was something he preached from day one. You know, we're going to be a disciplined team. We're going to be able to stop the run. And in the first two weeks, they've given up about six yards a pop, something that we haven't seen from Iberflus's defense dating back to uh, all the way to the Cowboys days. So um, that, that was very surprising for me. But I think the biggest thing w- was adjustments. And in both games, I thought they did a pretty good job defensively of having adjustments, right? But you have to be able to start start fast and be able to stop the run. So, yeah, this week is, is, a, is a critical juncture for both of these teams. They're both very similar, right? Defensively, haven't really lived up to the hype that we thought. Both young quarterbacks really haven't lived up to the hype yet and both have talented running backs. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting game. Corey, I was going to say the same thing. I feel like there's so many similarities between the two teams. And you talked about the defense, but on the offensive side, you've got two second-year quarterbacks that both have sort of struggled in the passing game. They've got new head coaches. So let's talk about Justin Fields. You know, what have you seen from him year one to year two growth? And what are the expectations of him as a first-round pick? 
So, so in the preseason, we saw a different uh, Justin Fields from that first year to now. We saw him more confident. They were kind of game planning for success with him. They were really setting up the run, working that play action, especially in that last preseason game. He only uh, he only had one incomplete pass. So I thought this was going to be the year he took the big step, right? And then you you fast forward to that first game in the first half, really weren't able to get things going against the 49ers. And then in the second half, we, we saw flashes of that playmaker, him being able to get outside the pocket, complete some passes down the field, really working that, that run and play action. And then in the, the second game against Green Bay, we have a great first drive. Things are going. We're setting up the play action pass. We drive down the field, uh, score on them. And then all of a sudden in that second drive, they go to gun. And all, I'm like, oh, OK, under center worked with a fullback, tight ends. And then all of a sudden they got away from that. So. It's been hard because he's only had 28 pass uh, attempts, so it's kind of hard to evaluate. So I think the thing that can be learned is, listen, you know, both of these young quarterbacks on both teams, right, the run is going to set up the passes to give them confidence because that's the biggest thing when you're talking about a young quarterback is getting his confidence up. Once that happens, then we can open up the, the, the playbook. But first off, let's work the run and play action, especially Justin Fields. Allow him to use his feet, get on some of those boots, some of those sprint outs. That's where he gets his confidence from. Yeah, he was only seven for 11 in that last game against the Packers, but he had a rushing touchdown. So in order to get the passing game going, I know you talked about time of possession, but offensively, is there something that uh, the receivers can do more to sort of step it up for Justin Fields? I know they've got some pretty new receivers in Equinamia St. Brown and Darnell Mooney, but how can they sort of help add to that passing game and get some more production? You know, I think it's been tough because I think they're missing a, a true number one receiver, right? We thought Darnell Mooney would be that guy because last year his success with Justin Fields, uh, Mooney had over a thousand yards, but people fail to realize Allen Robinson was on the other side and he wasn't as productive, but he still garnered that attention on that other side. So now everybody's kind of keying on Darnell Mooney and St. Brown has kind of been that go-to receiver. And, and no disrespect to him by any means, but he's a true number three or four in, in, in most receiving cores. So he, he's been he's been our uh, kind of bright spot, but he's not he's not a true number one or anything like that. So they're going to have to find ways to get Darnell Mooney the ball. And then also Cole Komet, we thought he would have his coming out party. And I think he's only had one, uh, two targets and one of them he dropped. So it's, it's, it's definitely been tough. But I think that the biggest thing they need to do is get Justin Fields on the move, right? Give him options that he can use his feet because that's what separates him. As a former defensive lineman, you know, guys that have that type of speed like Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick, I mean, it just brings such a different element because then you have to worry about rushing the passer, staying in your lanes. You can't rush the same way. And then all of a sudden when he has those zone reads, you have to be able to stay at home because Justin Fields on a defensive end, that's 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 tough sledding all day. All right. Well, one other bright spot, obviously, David Montgomery, I can't not mention him coming off his best game since the 2020 season, 15 carries, 122 yards. What went well for him in that week two game and what makes him such a productive back in that run game for Chicago? Well, I think he's so versatile. I, th I think the thing is he can run uh, under the eye formation. He can run out of the gun as well. His ability to break tackles is unbelievable. You look at even some of those gun runs where he had 10 to 15 yards. He got hit in the backfield and he broke three to four tackles on that play. So it's just pretty impressive, his ability to break tackles. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. And then the great part about it is they have a great one-two punch, not only Montgomery, but Khalil Herbert as well. So, yeah, I, I think that the strongest asset to them is Montgomery and Herbert in, in that running game. All right. Well, you're a defensive guy, so i got to ask you about the defense. They 
lost some key veterans this offseason. No Khalil Mack, no Akeem Hicks, no Danny Trevathan. So how has Matt Eberflus filled in some of those gaps with playmakers and in, in those veterans' absence this year? So, you know, it's it's tough to uh, replace a guy like Khalil Mack, right? You know, uh, his sack numbers didn't woo or wow you every year. You know, he, he was a playmaker more so than anything. You know, he'd make big plays happen. He'd have picks. He'd have sack fumbles, uh, tackles for loss. Um, but Travis Gibson is a guy who's stepped up big. This is his third year playing now. He had two sacks against Aaron Rodgers in that game. He's a big guy that was, was supposed to step up this year. And then Al-Kadeem Muhammad, he's a guy that's kind of been a little silent. He, he played under Eva Flus in Indianapolis and kind of had a breakout year last year, had six sacks as a full-time starter. We kind of haven't heard much from him. But the good part is they have Robert Quinn, and he had a big sack in that game against Green Bay and still looks like he has plenty of juice left in his career. But the, the most surprising aspect has been Roquan Smith, right? They moved him to outside linebacker this year, and he just seems out of place, right? He seems a little bit slow on his reads. And I think he's still trying to get in game shape. He sat out all the training camp trying to get that deal done. And guys know around the league, it is hard to get in, in playing shape when you're not out there in training camp. So I think he's still a little out of conditioning shape right now. I think that's evident from, from what we've seen in the first two weeks. I'm glad you brought up Roquan Smith. So what went behind that decision to move him? And do you see him moving back at any point? Yeah, I, I, I can see him for sure moving back. I think they wanted to, to highlight his speed, right? But the thing is, you got you got to remember, he's been playing that mic position for a couple of years now, right? And and sometimes moving somebody just because they have speed doesn't, doesn't make all that sense. So maybe if he can get more comfortable with it, but I think you need to move him to the mic and, uh, you know, move Adams maybe back to the outside position. All right, so it's week three, Bears. Texans, a lot of storylines here from the Houston side, but what about from the Chicago side? What are some of the big storylines heading into Sunday's game? Well, the the, the biggest storyline is, is Justin Fields, right? I think people are, are kind of questioning, right? Is is he the guy? Is Chicago cursed at the quarterback position? We can never get the offense going. How are you going to uh, put him in positions to succeed? So that's that's the biggest thing they've been talking about is the offensive coordinator, Justin Fields, and then as well as defense being able to stop the run. Those are Those are kind of the major headlines right now. Very similar storylines for both these teams. It'll be an interesting matchup on Sunday. Corey, thank you so much for the time. Where can people listen to your stuff? You can uh, listen to me on, on Fox 32 in Chicago on the Bleed podcast. You know, that, that's a part of the SiriusXM network as well. And then I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O-S-2-E-S-O-N. All right, Corey, thanks so much for the time. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. All right, thank you so much. Have a good rest of the day. There he is, Corey Wooten. I think you got all the information if you want to follow him, and probably should if you want to learn a little bit about the Chicago Bears. Now, look, there are no shortage of people that cover the Bears. Chicago's got a lot of radio stations, a lot of people covering the Bears. That's a team that's been around since the beginning. They were Decatur Staley's and then turned into the Chicago Bears and Papa Bear House. So this is one of the original teams. I always love going to play the original teams, the Packers, the Bears, those original teams, uh, those two in particular that have been around forever. And then, of course, you've got some, you know, the Steelers, the Eagles. Those are teams that enjoyed the 40s and 50s, et cetera. So it's always fun to go see the original teams that started this league, the Washington Commanders, a.k.a. the Redskins way back in the day, the New York Giants, um, those teams that had great rivalries back in the 30s and of course, the Bears being one of the best teams of all time, especially in the 30s, 40s, 
50s and 60s when Papa Bear Hallis was head coach, owner, etc. Haven't had as much luck since with only one title in 1985. They got to Super Bowl with Lovey in 2006, but they lost to that guy Peyton Manning. So either way, the Chicago Bears on Sunday, and I cannot wait. Now, last night, Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Cleveland Browns. Thanks a lot, guys. We needed a little bit more help, although George Pickens was maybe the catch of, well, definitely the catch of the year. It was a better than Odell's catch, man. It was pretty darn close. Either way, that was one game. There are 15 others that take place this weekend. I will pick all of them straight up and against the spread next right here on Texans All Access. All right, all right, all right, let's go. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. As I, your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, channel my inner Matthew McConaughey for the favorite segment of the night. I hear from more people on this segment than I hear from any other segment, and that is my prediction segment straight up against the spread. Now, it is straight up against the spread because I can speak the lingo, but it's for your enjoyment only. It's for your enjoyment only. The rest is up to you. I'm just going to give you that information. Now, before we get into our predictions, because you know there's one game I'm not going to predict, let's talk about that game for just a second as it pertains to the injury report. I'm kind of dance around this a little bit all night, but I haven't gone into it per se. The Texans have got three players out of this one. Austin Deculus, Brevin Jordan, and Isaac Yadam. Those three players are out, and they were do not participate, do not participate, participants. Is that the right way of saying it? Well, anyways, those three were on the do not participate list on Friday. Questionable, Malik Collins and Kurt Heinisch. Neither one of them participated today. Malik did a little bit more on Thursday, so we'll keep an eye on that. That's two key pieces on the defensive line against a group that runs the ball pretty darn well in Chicago. About 140 yards per game, and if there's no Malik, there's no Heinish. Woo, boy, some guys are going to have to step up and play big roles against the Chicago Bears. So, Deculus out. Jordan out. Isaac Adam out. Questionable. Malik Collins, Kurt Heinish. Farrell Brown is questionable, but he was a full participant in practice today. He was... A DMP on Thursday, but he was a full participant on Friday. So he is questionable going in. Out for the Bears. Matt Adams linebacker, Dane Cruikshank. Every time I say Dane Cruikshank's name, I think back to that 2018 fake punt against the Titans. Dadgummit. And former Bear, unfortunately, with an Achilles issue, Ryan Griffin. Those three are out. The two names that I have mentioned during the show, two of the best Bears defenders, two of the best Bears players, period. Jalen Johnson dealing with quad injury. He's questionable. Now, like I said, he was not on the injury report on Wednesday at all. Then he was a limited participant on Thursday. He was a DMP on Friday. That's not a trending positive to play level uh, track right there. So Jalen Johnson, he is questionable. Keep it on that. Roquan Smith has not practiced all week dealing with a hip. He is also questionable. Doubtful is Velas Jones Jr. dealing with a hamstring. He was a limited participant today. Valus is, he is a speedy outside receiver. They've got one in Darnell Mooney. If they had both, yeah, maybe they would try and throw the ball down the field with Justin Fields a little bit more. But they will more than likely not have Valus Jones 
dealing with that hamstring. He is doubtful. But the two to keep an eye on, well, for the Bears at least, Ryan, Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson. For your Texans, we're definitely watching Malik Collins and Kurt Heinisch along with Farrell Brown. Those three are questionable. Those five all could play a very big role. So if they're out, it's going to be tough sledding for either side with those guys out, in particular the Bears with Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson. Those, If you made a list, you said rank the Bears 1-53. to 53. I would imagine those two are top five, top three at worst. I mean, Roquan's probably one. Jalen Johnson's probably two or three, so maybe top two. So we'll keep an eye on that on Sunday. All right, that gives you the injury report for this week, the Texans and the Bears. So now let's get in to my prediction straight up and against the spread. But get me my music maestro, and there it is. All right, let's start in Tennessee, where the Titans return home after a Monday night shellacking. I mean, they got blitzkrieg by the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. 41-7, Malik Willis. Came into the game, Ryan Tannehill did not have a great second half in particular. He didn't have a great game, but in particular, second half. Las Vegas is favored by two in Tennessee. Now, I think the Titans are a mess. I think they've been a mess. So I'm going with the Raiders to get on track. Off the schneid, 0-2. They blew, blew it last week. They blew one last week. That game was in their hands, and Kyler Murray went and stole it from them. And then he ran forever away from them to get the win. They Byron Murphy with the fumble recovery that gave them the 29-23 win over the Raiders. That moved the Raiders to 0-2. I think the Raiders moved to 1-2. The Raiders go cross-country. Yes, it's a negative body clock game. I'm just not buying the Titans at all this year. I'm looking for absolute Armageddon there in Tennessee. So let's go Raiders to win and to cover that two-point spread. All right, this one. We're staying in the AFC South, by the way. This one is um, fun, chaotic, weird. Is it a trap? It's a trap. Yeah, it feels like Star Wars. It's a trap. The 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs, arguably top two, top one team in the league. Coming off a win, coming off a mini bye, travel to Indianapolis where the Colts are 0-1-1. Now, for the Colts, there will be no Shaquille Leonard. They're coming off a 24-0 beat down in Duval County. But they do get their receivers back. And if they've got any pride playing in front of the Colts fans, they're going to make this a ball game. So here's where I'm going with this. Because I, there's a part of me that thinks the Colts are going to rise up. And this should be my bold lock prediction of the week, whatever you say about it. I feel like the... Colts could very well win this, but I'm going to do the safe thing on this one because I do think the Chiefs will pull it out. They have Patrick Mahomes, by God. Patrick Mahomes will win this game, but it'll be a three-point game. This is 38-35. I think the Colts will put some points on the board. Matt Ryan will get loose a little bit. Matt, uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, will run the rock a little bit. It's going to be a three-point win for the Chiefs, and the spread is five and a half, so give the Chiefs a win the Colts to cover there in Indy. Let's go down to Miami where the Dolphins are 2-0 the Bills are 2-0 in one of the more intriguing games of the weekend the Bills are favored by 5 but the Dolphins at 2-0 put some points up on the board they did it against the Ravens they pulled one out uh, in week 1 against the Patriots 
It's a really intriguing Dolphins team. Very intriguing. But not enough. The Bills, I think, will go down and win that thing by two touchdowns. Like 42-28, 35-21. The Bills are not giving up 42 to Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle. If there's any team that can handle them relatively well, I think it's the Bills. Even though the Bills are banged up in the secondary, I still think the Bills will get after Tua Tunga by a low. I think it'll be a turnover that changes it. I think they end up winning by a couple touchdowns. So Bills to win. Bills cover that five-point spread. All right, let's go over to the NFC for a new kick up in Minneapolis where the Minnesota Vikings are fresh off a beatdown from the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles did whatever they wanted to for about three quarters and then kind of let their foot off the gas pedal as that one ended 24-7. to Now, the Vikings started the season at home, beating the Packers 23-7. to The Lions played the first two games at home, and they barely, barely missed a comeback win against the Eagles, losing that 38-35. But last week against the Commanders, Aiden Hutchinson went bonkers. Three sacks, turned the game around, Minnesota's favored by six in Minneapolis. I'm feeling my oats here. I'm feeling the Detroit Lions with a straight-up upset up in Minneapolis. Amon Ross St. Brown is still proving everybody wrong. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder the size of NRG Stadium. I'm going with Amon Ross St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, and Jared Goff over the Minnesota Vikings in an upset. Minnesota favored by six. I think the Lions, well, win and cover that. Ravens taking on the Patriots. This game in 2012 was must-see. This game in 2022, not so much, I suppose. Baltimore's favored by two and a half at Gillette. And that always scares me. That always scares me. But the Patriots had to go down to Miami. Then they had to go to Pittsburgh. They finally get to play in front of the home folks. Now, one of the things about that, If you're the Patriots and you can't generate offense, they're going to hear it. They're already mad about what's going on with the Celtics, and for good reason. And if the Patriots' offense is just, they're going to be mad about that. But Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson's been dealing with a little bit of an elbow issue. does not sound like it's going to stop him from playing. I think he's the difference. The Ravens. We'll get the win. It'll be close. It'll be 21-17. It'll be 24-20. The Ravens will get that win. Lamar Jackson does enough to get the win in Gillette and covers that two-and-a-half-point spread. One of the more intriguing games of the day, when I say the teams are going to be like, what? Are you on something, John? No, I am not. But I think Bengals-Jets is as exciting as it gets. You've got, just think of some of the matchups here. You've got Sauce Gardner, the corner, Drafted one spot behind Derek Stingley, taking on all those Bengals receivers. You've got the Jets rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson going against the Bengals. You got Joe Burrow facing the Jets D. You've got Joe Flacco, who went nuts last week against the Browns. Is he going to stay hot against the Bengals? The Bengals are desperate. Now, there's certain teams when desperate, you never want to play them. I don't know about the Bengals, but at 0 2, they've got to have a win. So at that point, I'm going. Bengals to cover and win at six and a half. I feel like first half, maybe it's close, but I think Burrow and the Bengals offense start to move things out and get a seven-point win or more. That's more than six and a half. Give the Bengals their first win 
of the year on the road against the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But Joe Flacco, keep in mind, he can put some numbers up on the board, and I think he will against that Bengals D, just not enough. As Joe Burrow in that offense, quit getting sacked. That'll help. All right, Eagles Commanders, NFC East battle takes place in Washington, where Washington won week one against Jacksonville. But on the road, the Commanders really got taken to the woodshed by the Detroit Lions. So not really sure what team the Commanders are just yet, but I have a feeling I know what team the Eagles are, uh, and that's really good. Like, really, really good. As in, don't have a weakness good. Now, the Lions put up 35 on them up in Detroit, but the Vikings could barely move the ball against them. I think that's what happens to the Commanders. I think the Commanders struggle to move the ball. I think the Eagles do their thing offensively, mix it up, use all their weapons, methodically take apart the Commanders on the road. I'm going Eagles by 10, which will cover the 6.5-point spread. Eagles to win and cover. NFC South, where the New Orleans Saints might be without Alvin Kamara. They're 1-1. The Panthers are 0-2. The Panthers, after losing to the Browns, then went and lost to the G-Men. New Orleans is favored on the road. Man, we got a bunch of road faves again. Two and a half points spread for the Saints in this one, and I think the Saints are going to win this one. Now, I don't trust the Saints offensively with Jameis at the helm. I like Jameis. I've always, I've not always been a hater of Jameis, but I just don't really trust him, especially now. The Bucks' defense just gave him the business. I don't think the Panthers' defense can do just that. So I think the Saints will do enough, but I'm I'm thinking this is low scoring. The Saints will get the win. The Saints will move to two and one, and the Panthers move to zero and three, and that's trouble for Panthers coach Matt Rule. A couple of coaches that are going nowhere are the two that meet in L.A. in our first afternoon game, and that's AFC South leader the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson taking on the one and one Brandon Staley led. L.A. Chargers. Now, this one, the line is off the board, and for good reason, because no one knows whether Justin Herbert is going to play or not in this one. He is questionable, and I would imagine the Chargers are going to keep that close to their vest all the way through kickoff. Even with Chase Daniel, I'll give the Chargers an edge. Now, with no line on the board, let's pick this straight up. Let's go Chargers to win, rallying around Chase Daniel or rallying around an injured Justin Herbert. Chargers win and move the Jaguars to one and two as the Chargers move to two and one. NFC West battle where the Cardinals are at home for the second time this year. Now, the first time they got beat by the Chiefs, 44-21. This is now the second time, and they were about to get housed by the Raiders but made a massive comeback, and we'll see how the Cardinals now rally after that win last week. But they are three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the defending champs. Now, the Rams have played both games at home they got housed by the bills and then the falcons came all the way back and nearly won that game with one play one catch in the end zone and the rams would be 0-2 but they're not i think that win will kind of get the rams going i think the cardinals comeback was a little bit of fugazi i'm going rams to win and cover that three and a half on the road falcons taking on the cardinals as the Falcons stay out west to take on Seattle up in Seattle. This is even. Now, the Falcons have played 
way better than I think anybody expected them to. But they're 0-2. Seahawks are 1-1 with that win over the Denver Broncos. This, I mean, being even, I think is about right. It's coin flip. That coin flip's going to come up. Seattle, because Seattle's playing at home. I'm going with the Seahawks to win that one straight up. Packers taking on the Buccaneers in a Tom Brady v. Aaron Rodgers game in Tampa Bay. Packers 1-1, Bucks 2-0. Now, the Bucks didn't do anything offensively against the Saints other than fight. As Mike Evans fought Marshawn Lattimore. So Evans is out of this one. His suspension was upheld. Tampa Bay is a one-point favorite, essentially straight up. I'm going Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers have the better overall defense. I think that's going to turn into an advantage in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a couple sacks Aaron Rodgers, whether that's a turnover from Rodgers. Either way, Bucks get the win at home narrowly over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And then on Sunday night, 49ers taking on the Broncos. Our opponent, the Bears, beat the 49ers. Our last week opponent, the Broncos, are playing at home. San Francisco's favored by one and a half. I'm taking San Francisco to win that with Jimmy G. They got an opportunity to be really good. I think with Trey Lance, it was through the roof potential-wise, but the ceiling was a lot lower. Or I'm sorry, the floor is a lot lower. I think the ceiling's lower Garoppolo, but the floor is a lot higher. That floor is enough to beat the Denver Broncos, who I said all year, um, not all that. And I think we saw that up close and personal. The 49ers know how to play Russell Wilson. 49ers get the win on a Sunday night in Denver over the Broncos. Monday night's Cowboys, Giants. Giants are favored by one at home. And as much as I like what Brian Dable's doing with the Giants, this one, man, the spread being just one, I think I'm going to go Cowboys. Cowboys rising up on a Monday night. They need to have this one. Played well to get the win over the Bengals. Didn't look good in week one when Dak got hurt. I think they put together best performance of the year to date and get a win over the Giants. Reality strikes, I guess, at that point. Either way, Cowboys win and obviously cover because they're an underdog. They're a one-point underdog. Who would have thought that months ago as we were thinking about this season? All right, there are your predictions straight up and against the spread. Coming up next, Jalen Petrie. You heard him do a little Drew's dozen earlier. Now it's the final word with Drew Doherty and Jalen Petrie as we get ready for the Bears on Sunday. That's next on Texas All Access. We're going to follow segment this Friday evening's Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And it's time for our Houston Methodist Minutes. And I know one thing that has, there's been a lot of talk about, I know in my family there's been talk about it for years, and so I am very accustomed to talking about mental health, mental illness, and it's become even more prevalent for a lot of people in their lives and players in their lives in the NFL so let's dive in. Mark Vandermeer had a chance to catch up with the great doctors at Houston Methodist to talk about that very thing. Mark, take it away. It's Houston Methodist Minutes with Dr. Kenneth Padell. Mark Vandermeer with you. And doctor, the topic today is mental health. And let's start with athletes, particularly young athletes, high school athletes. This is getting a lot more publicity, a lot more attention than ever before. Why is that? And what can you tell us or some of the issues that people have in this category? Yeah, the high school um, students, and in particular high school athletes, uh, this has been there for a while. Even before the pandemic, mental health 
problems, disorders were growing rapidly and rampantly at, at all levels, and in particularly high school kids, uh, the, the level of depression is at least one in five in high school students. Um, the rate of suicide is more than doubled um, in at the high school level. Um, and then you throw in a pandemic and that just became the tipping point of increasing social isolation, taking them out of their niche and, and putting them in uncomfortable situations, just increase the level of stress and anxiety to a point that it, it, it becomes a breaking point for a lot of these kids. Now, the pandemic is it because people were isolated or people are maybe paranoid or concerned, fearful of the virus, or is it a combination of different things? It was a combination. And one of the worst things, so it was the social isolation, number one, for a lot of kids, they weren't with their friends and they were home with their parents, right? What what could be worse for a high school student than to be stuck at home with their parents? But But seriously, and then there was education online, right? Everything was video. And, and if you weren't used to that, it was no good. Um, you weren't with your friends. If you were a serious student athlete, you lost that. All right. Well, the work you guys are doing is terrific, doctor. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the visit. Oh, you're great. It's great to be here. Take care. You can always get more information, HoustonMethodist.org. The website is chock full of information on everything regarding health, mental health, all of it the official healthcare provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. That is a subject not a lot of people talk about because they just don't know a lot about it. And it's always good to talk about it, speaking from experience uh, on those particular levels. So great stuff there from Mark and Dr. Patel talking about mental health, mental illness uh, for those not just in football but outside as well. Now, a guy that will play a big role on Sunday in stopping David Montgomery and his Bears offense is Jalen Petrie. We heard Jalen do a little Drew's dozen earlier. Let's give Drew Doherty the final word this evening in talking to the rookie safety who has taken the Texans by storm. Drew? Thank you so much. It's time for a preview. It's the pregame show with Jalen Petrie, defensive back for the Houston Texans. Jalen, Bears are on tap Sunday at Chicago. What do you think of the direction of this defense? Where are you guys headed right now, you think? I feel like we're heading in the right direction. You know, we're doing a lot of good things. We have some great leaders that are leading us the right way, and I think everybody is hungry to win. You know, everybody takes their job serious, and when you have a group of guys that does that, um, I feel like you're going to continue to grow and continue to get to where you want to go. In the preseason, we talked with Lovey Smith quite a bit, and one of the things he said is if you start at safety in this defense, you're able to coach this defense anywhere. You and Jonathan Owens are guys that are kind of fitting that bill. How true do you think that is when he says something like that? Uh, a little bit, but, you know, I have great coaches and Coach Joe and, and Ben. They do a great job at preparing us throughout the week, making sure that we know everything. And I feel like during camp, those are some of the harder times because, you know, you're learning new material. Um, but, you know, they stayed on top of it and made things very easy for you to learn and apply on the field. Yeah, and how much has that made you better as a player, just knowing all that stuff? A lot better. You know, he's given me the 20, Coach Joe, he's been coaching for 24 years, and he's given me so much wisdom 
and I've learned so much in these last couple of months, and, you know, I'm grateful for that. You've done some really nice things so far in the season. Texans obviously gunning for a win. Individually, what are some target areas that you want to maybe improve upon and get better at? Uh, yeah, for sure. I want to make some impact plays. I want to um, get some turnovers and improve on my tackling. I think I can be able to, you know, shoot gaps and play my assignment, and when I do that, I'm just making sure that I wrap up and make the tackle. All right, the quarterback you'll face is Justin Fields for the Bears. What are your early impressions of what he can do and what you've seen from him? I feel like Fields is a great talent. You know, he could throw the ball deep. He obviously has um, the wheels to run around, and I think it's going to be a good challenge for us come Sunday. And it's an interesting group of pass catchers he has at receiver and tight end. What have you thought of them? Oh, they're great. You know, I think they do a good job at balancing the run and the pass. And, you know, they do have some bigger threats, and they're outside guys. And they also have, you know, Mooney in the slot, who's also, you know, a, a speedster. So uh, they have a good balance of targets, and I think it'll be a good challenge for us. Yeah, and, you know, another week and another unique running back is a real threat. Mm -hmm. David Montgomery, what, what does he do well, and what do you guys have to look out for? Yeah, David, he, he's a tough runner. You know, he's always looking to get the extra yards. And, you know, I love football players that are, you know, feisty like that and, you know, very physical. So um, we look to, you know, bring it to him early and, you know, just do our assignments, stand in our gap and, and running through our fits. On the road at noon, when you wake up, what are you eating for breakfast to power yourself? Um, I usually eat some fruit. I try to be on the lighter side because I don't want my, you know, stomach acting up. And maybe, like, uh, probably about 30, 45 minutes before the game, I'll eat, like, a sandwich or something to get, you know, that fuel for the game. Good stuff. And is there anything special you listen to pregame? Nah, but I do try to watch, you know, some clips from the movie He Got Game. That's one of my rituals, and I try to stick to that as much as I can. He Got Game with Ray Allen and Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah, great All right. movie. Good stuff. Jalen Petrie, best of luck against the Bears on Sunday. Thanks so much for the time, my friend. Thank you. I first met Jalen at the Senior Bowl back in January, and I was trying to make a connection with as many local players and prospects as I could. I talked to Zion McCollum, uh, the twin brother of Tristan, who I had covered Zion's games for a number of years. I talked to Leon O'Neill from Texas A&M. Uh, I talked to Spencer Burford, who played at UTSA, who is a client of one of my best friends. And I wanted to make sure I got to Jalen Petrie. Now, I tried to get to his teammate, JT Woods. Couldn't do that. Too many people around him. But I wanted to make sure I got to Jalen. And he was so fun to talk to. And I'll never forget just the joy, just the smile on his face. Talking to somebody from Houston, thinking about being with the Houston Texans was I mean, for me, I, I wanted him. I mean, I did a number of different uh, mock scenarios where I had him going to the Texans with that number 37 pick. But there's a part of me thinking, ah, look, he's a Stafford kid. This can't, I mean, this is too good to be true, right? Well, through two games, it hopefully this is the truth and what we see from Jalen Petrie going forward because this guy is an absolute ball player. He's a, he's a stud, and he's going to play a big role against the Chicago Bears on Sunday in Soldier Field. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. A big, big, huge, massive thanks to Mark Vandermeer, to Drew Doherty, to Jalen Petrie, to Corey Wooten, my good friend D.P. Sidhu, all of you. Oh, did I forget Lovey Smith? I forgot Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith. Absolutely, Coach joins us every single Friday. Hopefully, he gets that win that I know he I don't say desperately, but he wants to have it. This, is, this means something. And I'm speaking from my own experience. When you go back to a place you've been, you want nothing more than to beat that team. I mean, not nothing more. 
all wins are special. But when you go back to that place and you get that win, that feels good. And hopefully Lovey Smith and all of us Texans are feeling that good after this one on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. Again, noon kick. If you're there or if you're in Houston, 9 o'clock radio pregame with Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne. Then Mark Andre and myself have the game call, and then we will turn it over to Sean and Clint Sterner for the postgame on Sunday. It's time to get win number one. We haven't had one of these in a while, dating all the way back to December 26th. How about we get this one on September 25th? That would be very nice. Let's do it. Let's go. It's time. And as always, go Texans.